Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always, episode 50, if you're keeping track at home. Again, we do that for the non-math majors, and uh, listen, we don't want you to be strenuous trying to count how many episodes there have been of the Air It Out. So this is episode 50. I'm taking, uh, let's go with a little Mike Vrabel. Uh, he's going to be big in the news here coming up, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but I'll also take the Admiral, David Robinson of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, won a title with them back in 99. Uh, him and Tim Duncan in that in that front court. Ooh, boy, I wouldn't want to be messing with that. Joined by my co-host, Jolan Bioka. Jolan, who you got this week? Great to be back after Memorial Day weekend. I would have to go with, see, this is not like a guy that many people would know unless you watched basketball in his era. It's going to be Zebo, Zach Randolph, Memphis guy, super gritty, undersized center. Dog, though. Loved his gameplay. Talk some of the most smack I think I've ever seen. Ever and seen. He was hilarious. Loves it was Evo. just great. Uh, they were the grindhouse at that point. Yes, that was those Memphis teams. Uh, today we are joined by a guest on the podcast that is a good friend of mine and uh, graduated with Jolan and myself, and we have stayed in contact ever since. Mm-hmm. Do not try to spell his last name. It is Mr. <laughs> Stephen Papadopoulos. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. And I'm happy to be here. Who you got in episode 50? Episode 50. We'll go a little old school. How about Mike Singletary of the Chicago Bears? Football Hall of Famer. Exactly. Sub Bears. And famous for kicking Vernon Davis off the field and telling him to go shower before the game was over. So. Leader of the greatest defense, is that a possibly. Thing? Yeah. Look no. it up. No, it he literally like, told him to get off the field. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, look, look it up. It's one of the most famous clips of his coaching tenure. Yeah, I that, mean, pre- that press Davis conference was legendary. All pro. He was a stud tight end. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder what occurred. I wonder what occurred. Well, we may never know. Maybe they'll have to make a documentary about it. But mm. they're going to have to make a documentary potentially. Uh, we're going to start in the NFL. I mentioned Mike Vrabel. Joel and we got some big news uh, coming out in the recent hours uh, leading up to the recording of this podcast. Let, tell me about it. So yesterday we were supposed to record. Goose said, ah, it's been a long day for me. Let's wait till tomorrow. It's been the best decision he's made all week because this morning, Julio Jones is going to the Titans. It's official. Atlanta sends Julio um, to the Titans for 2022, which is next year's second, and 2023, which is in a year from now, is fourth. Um, Titans in return get Julio and a sixth for next year. Wow. Block, buster, Titans, instant AFC title contenders. Pops, let's go to you for this. How big does this mean for the Titans? I mean, it's huge because it – it's Julio Jones. He can only elevate your offense. And I think it could really help Derrick Henry get more mileage on his legs, especially in the fourth quarter of like late playoff games. He won't get as tired easily. And you won't have to rely on him to get <laughs> nearly 2,000 yards, 2, yards every season. So I think it's huge, and it can only help Ryan Tannehill from here. And I think the Titans should be in the talk for AFC title contenders. And maybe even Super Bowl. Goose, let's yeah. segue off of what he's Absolutely. saying right now. He mentioned Derrick Henry's longevity. What does that mean specifically? Like, Break this down on how Julio Jones going to the Titans actually helps Derrick Henry on a statistical and career standpoint. Right, and by the way, I appreciate you telling me it was the best decision I made all week because <laughs> it's been a blur of a week. Um, <laughs> but listen, this what it does for Derrick Henry, I think, and we kind of talked about this in the car ride here, is last year and in previous years, he's had to be 
in order for them to be Super Bowl contenders, he's had to be unworldly, ungodly, mm-hmm. and almost unanimously yeah. the MVP of the entire league, let alone his own team. He had to be the MVP of the whole league for them to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Now what you can do is very – I mean, listen, you see it in a team like the Cleveland Browns who have a stud backfield yeah. and a stud set of receivers. Mm-hmm. They're able to do a lot with that offense. It makes – Things easier on Ryan Tannehill. He won't be asked to do as much. Five to six great throws a game. Other than that, manage the game. Don't turn the ball over. For Derrick Henry, it's less carries, I would imagine, because you're going to get teams that are scheming for him still, even with Julio out there. They're still scheming for Derrick Henry because the the most, you know, one of the most, like, uh, blood-sucking things a team can do is run the ball down your throat. And that clock runs, and yep. th- you get less possessions and stuff like that. So they're still going to sell out to get Derrick Henry. Now they can mm-hmm. line up at shotgun. They got Julio Jones out there. I still think he's got a couple good years left in him if he can stay healthy. We've talked about his hamstring. His hamstring's been hurt since I think he started playing football. I'm mm-hmm. fully convinced he like went into like flag football when he was five or six years old and was like, "Hey, coach, listen, like I got to take it easy in practice. I got a hamstring injury." I mean, we could jump ten feet in the air. You know, yeah, it helps. Yeah, I mean, he, listen. So I think he's a great addition to that team. Take, again, Tannehill's under more pressure to be great when he has to be, mm-hmm. but he has to be great less now because he's got more talent around him. And Derrick Henry, I think we could take some mileage off that car and save some for those deep playoff yep. games yeah. in that fourth quarter because that wears you down. We saw it with the Giants. Brandon Jacobs was a guy guys religiously would say, I don't want to tackle that guy. He was a and third more, and eight carrier. Mm-hmm. And, and more specifically, <laughs> yeah, I real. don't want to tackle that guy in the fourth quarter. Yep. After you know 55 minutes of a game, the last thing you want to do is tackle this dude that's sitting at 245, 260, and you know have to tackle him coming downhill. And he's yeah. getting faster as the game goes on. It seems right. Like those so yep. and Derrick Henry's in, he's got his body in great shape anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think this this is huge for Derrick Henry. Pops, let me just touch base one more time with the Titans. What do you think this means for AJ Brown now? Do you think he sees more volume with the Julio double team, or does he see less contribution than he has in the previous seasons because there's a mm-hmm. new one in town? Um. I think he might see more opportunities because they will probably double Julio Jones just out of that respect because he's that great. Yeah. And also, it might create more big plays for A.J. Brown because when they do double him, he might be more open, create more space in the field. And he's very good when, like, yards after he, catch, after he catches it. So I think it's going to be a benefit to him. Plus, I think he wanted it. He was, you saw the TikToks of him. He was yeah. recruiting him. He was like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and it worked out. So he's excited and... I think he's great for the Titans. And, no. and and he's great in those intermediate routes. Those yeah. dig routes across the middle of the field, the crossers mm-hmm. where you just get the ball in space and go. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. here's the question I have. And not necessarily it's not it's not an actual question. He had drop issues last year. He has to sure that up. Because you're right. I think the respect factor of Julio will play in certain scenarios, will come to fruition. He's gonna have one on one matchups. He's got to be able to catch the football at an elite level. It's no longer good enough to be mm-hmm. good uh, pass catcher at his, first of all, age in the league, and second of all, the team he's going to be playing on. He needs to be better in that realm, but I listen, that can be solved with the jugs machine. So let's flip the coin yeah. here. Let me ask you, Goose. Tails. So from the, <laughs> from the Falcons' point of view now, you went last year's draft, you took Kyle Pitts because you had this stacked offense, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, 
Matt Ryan back at the helm. What does this mean now for the Falcons? Because it's almost looking like they're tearing it down, and the Kyle Pitts yeah. pick, to me, looks a little bit shaky when there was a couple quarterbacks mm-hmm. you could have taken and started an actual rebuild. Well, listen, I think the guy that they would have, in a perfect world, taken as their early quarterback went third. Yeah. So I don't think he was necessarily on the board. I think they mm-hmm. were looking at a guy like Trey Lance. Well, like who Justin ne- Fields, Who too. needed, right, but I think they were looking at Trey Lance because he's going to sit, you know, and he's going to develop yep. behind Matt Ryan uh, in that sense. Now, the Falcons moving forward, you know, they have this, like, seemingly all-in approach. First of all, they need to really kick the boot and reboot this thing. Yeah. But if you're going to go all-in... And it, Julio Jones wasn't – he didn't have one year left on his deal. He had multiple years left. I don't All-in without Julio Jones doesn't seem all-in to me. It seems yep. kind of half-in, half-out. Yep, and we're going to force Calvin Ridley to be our number one guy. And Kyle Pitts has to be excellent, not good. He's got to be excellent coming right out of school. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, this is – what, they're entering the category of teams that are like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. Like, the Eagles are in that spot. We've talked about that before. What the heck are you, you – you've got all these veteran guys <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. What the heck are you doing? At one point, you just have to say, figure it out. Now, yeah. Pops, let me ask you, specifically Calvin Ridley with the departure of Julio Jones, does his production increase or decrease? Do you think he benefited from having Julio? I, I definitely would think that because – you see, everyone doubled Julio Jones, especially <laughs> in the red zone. That's why he didn't get a lot of touchdowns, and Can a lot of those touchdowns went to Calvin. Um, I think so. Eventually, maybe not like a star, like one, but I think definitely one on this team. He he's a solid wide receiver, and I think he'll improve very greatly. So I think his fantasy stock is just plummeting, and it hurts my brain. Well, but, but we talked about this in the car ride too. If Kyle Pitts comes out and he's the guy everybody believes he is. Now they got to cover him with a linebacker underneath and a safety over top, which then drops a safety, and maybe you've got Calvin Ridley on the back end uh, taking the top off yeah. the defense. So so fast. You know, yeah. it it makes you wonder kind of what it's going to be determined by the, their number four overall pick, and that's mm-hmm. he's going to dictate a lot of what that offense does. So from a blockbuster trade to little old training camp, we got problems up north little. in Green Bay. Mm. We're talking OTAs right now, and the big concern is Aaron Rodgers and company is not around for the Green Bay Packers OTAs. Let's start off with a basic question. How important is voluntarily workouts to you guys? Pops, let's start with you. Do you think players need to be there? Um, I think like the younger, less experienced guys should be there because it gets them more looks with the coaching staff and all that. And I think that every time that they do go to practice just shows how much better they can be and for like the veterans like Aaron Rodgers even like Devontae Adams they don't really need them as much because they're like established and they've got their own thing which probably helps them better than what they're doing in OTA so I think it's just great for the young guys especially when you're a top dog around the NFL you probably mm-hmm. have your own coaches and whatnot oh yeah definitely. but it's more concerning when it's a leader Goose do you see this as a problem well, listen, when you first said there was a problem in Green Bay, I didn't know if there was a cheese shortage or what was going on up there. But, I, you know, honestly... Wanted for trading up for a quarterback that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem in Green Bay. These OTAs are yeah. very tricky because you have the NFLPA that sits there and says, hey, listen, we don't think you should go to these. We think you should be able to work out at home, do your thing. Now, we saw the Denver Broncos with Juwan James, they're yes, off at the tackle, yeah. who got hurt away from the facility. The team does not have to cover it. That's and then they cut him. 
Mm-hmm. And I, listen, that feels like getting kicked in the nuts when you're sit when you're down already. <laughs> For real, like you know that that would to me was the extra step forward that the Broncos didn't have to go. But again, these guys are fighting it. Now, I'm not concerned about a leader because what I think OTAs are is an acclimation period to what the NFL is like, the speed of the game. Not and again, not game speed. You're not going to get that until you get to week one, mm-hmm. but. You're going to get acclimated to the way you practice, yeah. to the way you do things around the facility, and that doesn't benefit a leader, honestly. Like, he knows what he's – especially at this level. If we're talking high school, I think it's different. We're talking youth leagues, probably different. Yeah. However, we're talking about grown men who know what they're doing. Training camp is really when install meetings, putting in the playbook, which mm-hmm. half of these leaders already know. You know, second language guys. to them, they already right. understand. Yeah, and, they, and there might be some slight variations that they do, but not it's nothing major. Especially when so, you're returning head coach and offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm not overly concerned about OTAs because, again, we've seen the player get screwed. We've seen the organization get screwed. We've seen both sides of this. I'm not overly concerned if they don't show up. When do you hit the panic button? Uh, I'd probably say midway through training camp. Like, like midway yeah. through training so camp. So you were talking a couple fines for a couple days. Yeah. But yeah. after day six or seven. But again, like, we've seen this. Like, vets do this. Yeah, Brett Favre true. hated training You know yep. why he waited to announce when he was coming back? Because he hated <laughs> training camp. <laughs> Every year. I think Jared Allen used to do it, too, the defensive end for the Vikings. Like, these guys hate training camp. It sucks. It's a lot yep. of hitting. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's gruesome. Sometimes it's two days. You know, it's not fun. So, you know, they, they don't want to be there. So I, I'd say midway through training camp, but I I, I think they'll eventually show up and uh, they'll be fine. All right, let's talk new contracts. Recent rookie Cardarius Tony recently signed with the Giants. He's on paper for seventeen million, I believe, yeah. on a four year, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Let's talk with you right now. Do you think Tony is the number two guy already for the Giants, or is he going to have like a down year year one? I don't know if necessarily he won't be the two guy that still might be Shepard for now but I don't think it's going to be a down year either for him I think he's going to be like that Swiss Army role for the Giants he can do like those jet sweeps he can do the pun return and kick return and he's just very good like in space and with speed he can make guys miss like crazy and for the way the draft like ended up with the Giants not ending up getting the 11 pick what they thought they would we ended up getting another first round pick with the Bears trade and Kandarius Tony out of it so I think I think it's a great fit for him and a good spot for the Giants to be in. You think this is Daniel Jones' prove it year? Last Absolute, year? Absolutely. It's do or die for him, in my opinion, because he just turns the ball over too damn much. And yep. It, it, it just aggravates any Giants fan. I know what you mean, but, man. Yeah. So, so, Bruce, let's go to you with this. What does this mean now for Shepard? Is he going to get the number two spot automatically and have his chance to prove it? Or what's going on here with the Giants? Well, by the way, this podcast is sponsored by Swiss Army Knife. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I listen, I think... He sent to me first. I, the, the Giants are... Uh, <laughs> listen, the Giants are a team of opportunities, and I think they'll give Sterling Shepard an opportunity this year to prove that he can stay healthy and be that guy. Now, there is not a single scrap, and I mean scrap. Like, we're, go to the junkyard and look, for, look at a scrap. There is not a single scrap of evidence that Sterling Shepard can stay healthy for a full year. It yeah. happened in college. They, it happened in the NFL. There right. is there is not a piece of evidence. Now, Kadarius Tony, I think, is very good for this team 
because he can be what Curtis Samuel was in Carolina, well, what cool. unfortunately now he'll be for Washington, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of stinks. But with Terry. but I think he can because again we talked about it. I think Ster- I think Sterling went healthy is the two. I think Darius Slayton is a terrific three because he can take yep. the top off the defense at any moment. Mm-hmm. And Tony can do everything in between. I think everything that the Giants offense is looking for. He can catch the ball better than our tight ends. I think I think oh, God, yeah. us three in this room could do that. But he can do that. And he can he can be big in the return game mm-hmm. and the special teams game. Joe Judge was a special teams coach at one point. Yep. So he's big into those guys and if he can do multiple roles it, that's going to be huge for this team and just just a, a weight off coach's shoulder and somebody he can trust mm-hmm. back there. So uh, Kadarius Tony is going to be something something to watch, somebody to watch as this season progresses. And it's a guy you got to get the ball in his hands, whatever way that yeah. may be. Mm-hmm. That little flick forward pass, jet sweep, whatever it is, screen, whatever. Mm-hmm. You got to get the ball in his hands. Let him do his thing. Let's bring it back to you real quick. What does this mean now for Saquon Barkley longevity-wise? Do the Giants now look to re-sign him and get him less touches, or are they just going to keep running him down and Tony's going to be just a little eclipse on this radar? Um, I hope they don't run him down, <laughs> to yeah, be me, honest. Yeah, me too. Because he already has an injury history towards ACL last year, and they did pick up his fifth-year option, but I'm taking it just year by year so far with Saquon. And if he does like do great things like Derrick Henry – type of stuff then I think they would sign him but I just he most important he's just got to stay healthy and if he's healthy he's just electric all over the field I think think Tony is the guy to help him stay healthy I really do with less touches with all this other stuff Mm -hmm. going on in the offense Galladay now I think it's going to help Saquon similarly to how Derrick Henry is being helped in Tennessee now with longevity honestly running backs you can't run them down mm-hmm. too fast too soon because they're only good for five or six years at that but very difficult if he if you're under the assumption he's got to prove it if he's got to prove to get that long because listen i have been very clear on this That's podcast great point yeah i'm not sold on paying running backs at Ever. all but if you're gonna tell me well we would pay saquon if he's got derrick henry like stats of course yeah then he's got to prove it but now he's got all these weapons that are going to take carries away from him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, he's still home run threat every time he touches the football. Yeah. We know that. But he's now going to have carries taken away instead of getting those carries like a Derrick Henry. Um, again, we ha- he's never shown that he's durable enough to get those type of carries. But if you're saying he's got to show it, this is certainly not the year for it because the Giants now have all these weapons. I think they might use him more in, like, the screen game possibly this year That's to, value. like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. More fancy points, and probably just to like take away some rushes so he doesn't get hit as much. Cause you know he's been injury prone a little bit so far. So the more touches he gets, the better I think for the Giants overall. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting season coming up. But from one off season, we take it to a new league into the postseason. We are going to the NBA. And Goose, you had a stat that you brought up before in prep. You want to bring that up again? What's happened since yeah, the first so time? I want people to understand, I was born in 1998, so uh, it was a, a, whop, a whopping 22, 23 years ago. <laughs> I was born in 1997. Um, so <laughs> this is, in the NBA, this is going to be the first final since 1998 without one of these teams. That would be the Spurs, the Heat, the Warriors, or the, uh, what's, uh, what's the last one? The Spurs, the Heat. The Warriors and Miami Heat. And Miami oh wait, no, Heat. wait, no, the Lakers. 
The Lakers. Lakers. The Lakers. Yes, sir. Oh, the Duh, Lakers, the, the Heat, yep. the Spurs, and Golden State. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. One of, you know, this is the first time in 23 years wow. without one of those teams in the finals. Uh, Jolan, both championship contenders last year bounced in the first round. Mm-hmm. The Heat got swept. Yeah. And the Lakers, listen, they won two, mm-hmm. yep. but the way they played after Andy Davis got hurt, it kind of felt like a sweep. You know, at certain points, like they were down 30 in game five. Mm-hmm. They were down 29 in game six at home. Fought back to actually make it a 10-point game, but you get to that point, you're so worn out that you got nothing left. Too so, little, too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron, first first round loss. To put in perspective how long ago for some young listeners that are out there, 1998, oh the top movie was Saving Private Ryan. Ooh, great film. And the, the top song of 1998 was Too Close by Next. I don't even know that song. I yeah. think I've heard that so song. So we're talking <laughs> otherworldly here. When cinema was basic cinema. When Black, <laughs> and, white, when was black and White TV was on a couple channels on TV land. When like, Amazon was selling books. How about that? He was so rich, I bet. Well, of Bezos course, probably. Instantly. But, this is a lifetime ago for some people, yep. including ourselves. Yep, yep. and it's Absolutely. it's been unbelievable. And we mentioned LeBron's first, first round exit of his career. Comes in its 15th time in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, unreal. So, yeah, LeBron now 14-1 in the first round. Pops, let's bring it to you. Does this hurt LeBron's legacy, or is he in the whining years of his career, or is it just a numbers game now, trying to move up the list of scoring, mm-hmm. trying to move up the list of assists yeah, and whatnot? I think it's I think it's just that, the statistics. I think he's just trying to get to that number one scorer of all time. Can't and help. it can't hurt his legacy. He's just done so much in the league so far. He's, like, arguably the best player to ever live. So four titles, ten finals appearances, including eight in a row, which is ridiculous. It's like Bill Russell era stuff. In the 50s. So, it was back when there was 18, 14. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can't hurt his legacy because he's just been so good for so long. And at this point, if he just wins a title, can only gain. It can't now, diminish. was this his last chance to win a title? It's sad for me to say that, but I, yeah, I think so. Because AD wasn't healthy and LeBron wasn't healthy too this, these past couple of years. So when he wasn't healthy, he just wasn't as good. But he's still great, <laughs> which is amazing. But I do think it's the beginning of the end, which is sad because you want to see him like be the title winner when he's and gone. Talk so. about someone who retires is going to be the end of our childhood, legitimately. That's yeah, like for the real. Guy mm-hmm. we know growing yeah. up, starting in '03. But what is, what do you think? Was this his last chance to win a title? Is this the end of the LeBron era as we know it? Just to piggyback off the legacy part. Shannon Sharp on Undisputed this week on on Fox Sports said had a I think summed it up the best. If you thought LeBron was the goat before this series, you haven't changed your mind. Yeah. If you ne- if you don't think LeBron is the goat, you never have. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like where we're at. Like if you if you're a LeBron guy, you're a LeBron guy. It doesn't really affect him that much. It's the first one in his career, you know, uh, first uh, first round exit. You know, but if you're not a LeBron guy, you're killing him for it. Oh my goodness, Jordan! You know, Jordan. At least Jordan did this in the beginning years. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's a whole separate discussion. Yeah. But you Stats know, that's that's kind of that's mm-hmm. kind of where you're sitting now. I I believe with the current roster construction of the Lakers, he would not win another title. Now he, for years, has needed to be surrounded by shooters. Yep. Wes Matthews was awful this year. Kyle Kuzma 
when LeBron was out, went for 30. When up. LeBron came back, captain of the Shanghai Sharks next year. When Ooh, when like LeBron like came back, he was awful. Alex Caruso is not a three point shooter. KCP has been streaky throughout his career. He's probably been the most consistent three point shooter on that team. Andy Davis is not a three point shooter. He can shoot it, yeah. but he's mm-hmm. not a sniper. He hangs around the three point line too much to not. He does. Dennis Schroeder is not a sniper. He also plays with the ball in his hands. LeBron needs those guys that spot up, and when you get thrown that dart into your perfect shooting pocket, you better be ready to go, and you better mm-hmm. knock it down. So I think that's, and again, mix that with what they have inside with AD. They need to have very serious discussions with AD this year. First of all, he needs to get healthy. Second of all, he needs to play center full-time for this team. Mm-hmm. When he plays center, they are at their premium because there is not a center in the league arguably about as athletic as he is. Yeah, he's that's a great point. very lanky. He plays very well. He's fast. He's quick. He's too quick for a guy like Gobert and Jokic, you know, but he, you know, and, and he can he can rise up over the smaller ones. Golden State likes to play Draymond at mm-hmm. the five. He can rise up over a guy yep. like Draymond. Um, so, you know, I think obviously that's, those are the discussions you have to have with AD, but I think you got to go find shooters you had Danny Green. Yep. You don't necessarily again like he missed what the open three in the final. Like good if we killed every Kyle Korver missed a three to win Game Four in a series LeBron had up two one at home against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. You know we we can we can talk all we want. That happened. Kyle Korver had a chance to win a playoff game, and we don't kill Kyle Korver for it. Stop yeah. killing Danny Green for it. You know what? Now he's in Philly killing it, and he's doing a great job. But the Lakers need to get those shooters around. They need a lineup where you can say you can't double LeBron in the post because if you do, it's going to be three points instead of two or potentially an M1, which LeBron has gotten a lot in his career. And we will cover free agency and the Lakers and what they plan to do Mm -hmm. eventually. And we will circle back to the Lakers after. But let's talk about some winners right now. Moving into the second round of the NBA playoffs, we have the Suns versus Nuggets. Pops, let's go to you. Who do you like this series? I like the Phoenix Suns. I think what they did against the Lakers was just amazing. And the Chris Paul's leadership, I think, will carry them over the top over the Denver Nuggets, who they're still playing great even without Jamal Murray. But Joker, so good. Joker is terrific. Probably will be MVP. But I think the Chris Paul effect, the leadership effect of him, and plus the way Devin Booker's been shooting it, I think – that's enough for the Phoenix Suns to win in uh, six games, I think. Goose, who do you like? Yeah, it's interesting. I think as the playoffs go on, Denver will miss Jamal Murray more. Yeah. I think kind of, you know, as it goes on, they were able to get out of the first round. Although very barely, by the way. They had to win a double overtime game five at home, and they had to go on the road in Portland and win that game, uh, which was close mostly all the way up until the end. Um this is difficult because how does DeAndre Ayton deal with Jokic? And again, like we saw it, we saw Andre Drummond, Marcus All weren't able to take advantage of the fact that it's his first postseason. Again, if you watch that series, you couldn't tell me, and and we erased your memory. You couldn't tell me whose first playoff series it was. You would have no idea because well, DeAndre DeAndre Ayton. Well, that was that that was game one, and then he showed up and said, "Listen, little boy, you're right, you're I'm right. yeah. well, game one. Um, you know." And then he dropped thirty four. I think he dropped thirty in game three. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, but you 
for the other bigs, especially when Davis was hurt, you couldn't tell who had their first playoff experience, whether it was them or mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton. I Chris think, Paul has made DeAndre Ayton a much better player with that pick and roll that, pick that and he's roll always been using his entire career. Yes, sir. Also, I think the Suns can win this series because Chris Paul's shoulder is just going to get healthier, and I think that's key. He'll score more points, which can make them even more of a threat. You hope. And you I, hope and I exactly. wonder I hurt, wonder what that pro- – you know, because they've been mm-hmm. very, very quiet about that prognosis – I think they called it a shoulder contusion. Yeah. yeah. What he what happened to him, that it's was that felt that looked like nerves. Yeah, not even nerves. It could have been even, small shoulder tears. Yeah, like. that that when he went down and the way he actually reaggravated it, that's why I say it's nerve. Yeah. The way he reaggravated it so quickly, it looked like a nerve thing. Now they've done a great job and, and you hope he can only get better. Um but you that leadership I'm gonna take the Suns in seven. Oh, you got to the Suns in seven. Want to see a great series and uh, go the distance. Yeah. Perfect segue for our next matchup because there's a game seven leading into the second round. The final game of the first round being played is the Mavericks versus Clipper. Game seven at L.A., correct? In mm-hmm. L.A., yep. yes. And a home correct. team has not picked up one game. Goose, let's start with you. Mavericks, Clippers, who wins game seven? And then take us right into the Jazz series against okay. the winner. Yep. So, first of all, if... Dallas wins this game, they they will become the first, you know, this will be the first series in NBA history, and NBA history goes back a long while, uh, to not see a home team win a game in the series. And for that reason, I, listen, I like rooting for history. I want to see Dallas win. I think Dallas, Luka is that guy, and he's going to have to hit big shot. He's got nerve damage in, the, in his shoulder mm-hmm. and his back. We've seen him, you know, come up hobbling a little bit. But for some reason, they can't win a game in Dallas, but they shoot the lights out of the gym in L.A. So I'm going to go fandom here. I want Dal- I want to see Dallas win, Dallas advance. Uh, and then going into the Jazz, I got the Jazz. The Jazz share the ball mm-hmm. so well. They played such great defense. Rudy Gobert anchoring it in there. And listen, Kristaps has been outplayed by Zubak, yeah. who's not – a multiple-time defensive player of the year. That trade looks horrendous. You know, it, it's it is. First of all, the the fact that the Lakers got rid of Zubak was a bad was a bad deal to begin with. Yeah, that's uh, true. But yeah. I know you're talking about the Porzingis deal. Yes, yeah, sir. Um, I think the Jazz they just share the ball too well. They hit too many threes. They you know like the Clippers. I I don't know. They they just I don't know. They don't jump off the page they again. Can't ever it, put it together? Feels yeah, like. I mean it's 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 the curse. You know, right? Mm-hmm. And may, maybe it gets broken. You mm-hmm. know, who knows? But it's going to take one heck of an effort. I don't think so. Pops, who do you like for Game 7 yeah. and then your Jazz prediction matchup? Game 7, I'm very back and forth in my mind about this whole series because no, no home team has won. So, like, going Game 3, I just thought, okay, now Dallas is going to, like, wipe them away because they won the first two games. But they didn't. <laughs> it's just back and forth. But the way Kawhi uh, played Game 6 the other day. Possessed. Possessed. It was... Like what LeBron did in Game I mean, Six of 2012 against uh, against Boston, <laughs> yep. he put up 45. I think he needs to <laughs> he needs to do something like that again for the Clippers to win because the way Luca plays and just gets everyone involved, the Dallas is so good with him at his best. But I think Dallas will win. I think that away win trend is going to continue and Dallas will move on. We root for history in the show. Who do you got in the Jazz matchup? I think Jazz in six yeah. against 
the I'm Dallas Mavericks. The Jazz in five. Ooh, Three right. gentlemen. The, the minute Donovan Mitchell stepped back on that court, yes, they became over. a completely different team. Yeah. Completely different. And again, I know it's Memphis. I know they're not, you know, the John Morant's pick, up next, though. But John Morant was terrific in that series, and it didn't matter. It did not matter. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the Jazz in five. Yeah. We move from the west to the east in the second round. I hate this team. The Brooklyn Nets are going against the Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks, and the Nets actually have a 1-0 lead. Over the Bucks right now, James Harden um, with an injury in Game 1 to his right hamstring. It might be a factor. We will keep you posted. Pops, will start with you. Who do you like in this series with the Nets already leading 1-0? Yeah, I, I like Brooklyn in 6. Because <laughs> oh. that a duo of right, so right now with KD and Kyrie Irving is just too good. Plus Blake Griffin stepping up. Joe Harris has been sniping from 3-point range. His whole career. It's just... It's just so hard to beat this team consistently because you never know who's going to go off that night. And I think the only reason it can go six is because Brooklyn does have problems defending, like big bigs in the paint, and I think Giannis will create just a nightmare for them, and I think he can win them a few games. Plus, also, Milwaukee's not going to shoot as bad as they did last night, 15%. especially Middleton. Middleton, I think, will step up a little bit more. Then that's how I think they can win a couple games. So, yeah, I think Brooklyn's just gonna win this series and go to the finals. Goose, do you think it pans out the same way? Um, Cause I'm, cause I do. Pops mentioned it. Their shooting percentage, shooting percentage was atrocious. I do. They get that up to like forty percent. This is a twenty-point victory. Yeah, my. You know, the thing is, is and I and I've said this for a few weeks now. Who beats the Nets? Like, and and I and I mean that in the most sincere way, because yeah. you could make the argument with KD and Kyrie, they should win the title. Mm-hmm. Period. Like that. That is skill set wise the best duo in the league. And I, I, you know, and again, whether you know whatever about Kyrie and all the off the court stuff, on the court, that's where that skill set pairing makes the most sense. And again, Kevin Durant being a, a very not passive, Seven but, foot 70% but selfless yeah. Yeah. superstar makes it so much easier because he's always in rhythm because he can shoot mm-hmm. over everybody. Well, it's period. easy for Kevin Durant to be a selfless person when he's shooting seventy percent a clip and needs eleven buckets to hit forty points. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Guy's a three point sniper now. But he's yeah, just so efficient. Durant. I just, I don't know. I I said it for a while. It'd be a failure if the Nets don't win the cha- don't win the title. Because this is one of the best collections of talents we've ever seen. Now, the Harden injury is interesting because he's usually dishing it out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can make the argument game one was the play for James, you know, after he goes down the first minute. Uh, and you could also make the argument that it was easier to readjust the game plan that he went out so early instead of going out like midway through the game. You know, again, I, that's, that's just pure speculation. But uh, I think the Nets get it done. And eh, I want to go root and interest. I'll go seven. I'm going with Bucks mm. and five. They win four straight. Wow. What a, yeah, I hate what a prediction. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. We're moving on to the next matchup oh, in the Lord. East, which another two teams I highly dislike. The Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. Actually, I have no no hate for the Hawks. They're a pretty good team with Trey mm-hmm. Young now. Pops, let's start with you. Philly, Hawks, they're actually playing as we speak in mm-hmm. game one. Hawks are up. Who do you like for the remainder of this series if Joel Embiid isn't healthy and if he is healthy? If he isn't healthy, I think Atlanta's going to take in seven because 
Trey Young has just been phenomenal. It's it's his moment right now, and he's he's embracing that moment with all the Madison Square Garden people just booing him, Villain, call, I love <laughs> chanting Trey is balding. He he embraced it. He gave them a bow. He loved that villain role, kind of like that Reggie Miller back in the nineties. Yes, sir. And if you didn't think he's a a star, a star now, now he is. Yes, you can't sir. deny that. He's just phenomenal. He does a little bit of everything. He's like a poor man's version of Steph Curry, in my opinion. But if Embiid is fully healthy the entire time, I think Philly in six. Because Embiid's just too big and too strong for them to handle. Even Capella, he's been playing very well. And John Collins, they've been playing better than they usually have been during the season. But I just think Philly overall is just too talented overall if Embiid is healthy. But Atlanta's going to fight and claw with them no matter what because that's the type of team they have. And they really playing for Trey Young and fighting with him as well. They so. finally put the pieces together with an actual leader around there. It is yes. fun to see for Atlanta. Goose, let's take it to you. What do you like, or who do you like in this series, rather? Philly, Hawks, and why? Yeah, this is, this is tough. First of all, Nate McMillan has been an absolutely sensational coach. I think they're... Name th- drop. I think they're 30-12 and 12 since he took over the head coaching role. Mm. Uh, they've been absolutely terrific. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been Unreal shooting the basketball since the month of April. Uh, John Collins, you mentioned Clint Capella in that pick and roll. He's so perfect for that role. Trey Young, cheating the system, getting fouls all the time. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a recipe for success. And I'll tell you, Embiid's playing on a meniscus tear. Now I've played two full season, two full football seasons on a meniscus tear. One on, I one was medial, one was lateral. Now, if I, I forget where his is. If it's lateral, it's going to affect how he moves laterally, obviously. Uh, regardless, uh, you know, that first week or two is is like, you know, you've, you're often concerned. And that's where it's really difficult to walk, to run, to do really anything. You kind of get into these weeks, and it's going to be his pain tolerance, how much he can take. Because, again, oftentimes with meniscus tears, it's not, are you having surgery? It's what kind of surgery are you having? Uh, because one is three to six months, the other is three to six weeks. However, he'd be out the rest of the season if he got the meniscus surgery. Because again, they can't find that out until they get in the knee. So that's you sometimes know you run into up, sometimes the whole tear. Yep. Hmm. So you know that that's obviously he's going to play through it. He's going to get some cartilage damage from it. But uh, I will tell you, I think he's going to be limited in this series. If he's as limited as I think he is. And and as you know, again, like he's, I think he's gonna settle for more threes, which was a recipe for disaster in their postseason last year. If that's the case, I'm taking the Hawks in five. The wow. Haw- State wow. Farm Arena is a very, what we learned last round this Hawks is team. is very difficult place to play. That's now, a big compliment. If Joel Embiid gets, you know, every athlete every injured athlete's favorite friend, Cortisone, and, you know, has a little business meeting with him and, and is able to work it out a contract. Not a sponsor, but if you want to. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, I, if, he can, if he can get that and play his game, play the game he's been playing this year, not the one he's been playing last year and the year before, but the, the play he's been doing this year, they'll win this series in six. But again, it's what Joel Embiid are we going to get? Do you think the Hawks are like this year's version of what Miami was last year? 
to you, oh, Ryan? Love that comparison. I, they've gotten red, red hot. Love I, that comparison. I do, you know, it, like they, similar seed. They have gotten to going. And they've got sharpshooters. And when you have an Quer- aggressive leader like a Trey Young or a Jimmy Quer- Butler, yeah, exactly. Quer- love that and Bogdanovich, you know, you talk about two consistently th- deep threats. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson of last year. Of last yes. year. You, yeah. yeah right, that. right. Emphasis on that. You've yeah. got a, you've got <laughs> a seven point per game bomb, You've got dude. a dog in Trey Young. You've got a dog in Jimmy Butler. You you've got Clint Capella. He's not necessarily as agile as Bam Adebayo, That's but true, yeah. you can see where that kind of comes together. Maybe John Collins is more of a comp to Bam Adebayo uh, in this scenario. But I, I do I agree with that. I think they can be this year's Heat team. Um, but they're going to run into uh, a beast in the conference finals. I mean, if they get there, yeah. they're going to run into Brooklyn or Milwaukee, and that's I, I think it's sayonara at that point. Let's go more to the off-season-esque questions of the NBA right now. Okay. We'll stick with Philly and the way they've been running because you have a gentleman sweep, apparently, and you do not like them. But they've had a bunch of first-round picks, and I thought the rebuild was going to come together in the process. <laughs> What's the problem with Philly? Why can't they break through that? Their medical number? staff. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, the injuries. It, it really is because again, you look at Embiid. They haven't drafted this, poorly. They haven't th- missed. This team could go six or seven in an Eastern Conference Finals with the way they played this year. With you and you look at the roster. They got Embiid, Simmons, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry. Like, they've got guys that got uh, Furkan Korkmaz. Love that name. One of the best names I'm in all of basketball. I'm not trying that. I curse if I say that name. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure. But, uh, and they've got some other pieces. I think they – no. But they've got some other good pieces on that roster. they got the White Howard. Yes. Who, again, like, if he gets in a proper series – uh, maybe utilized in a role that, the that Lakers suits him. Might have wanted to keep. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Could use them, <laughs> but yeah, they, if they stayed healthy, this team could go. Could take the Eastern Conference Finals six or seven. Pause. What do you think Philly needs to do to get over that hump to be a bona fide one? I think even though they are, they already are the one. But we're talking maybe second round. It's di- it's dif- difficult because I kind of I just kind of agree with Ryan because it is basically injury because especially Embiid because. The one, this has been his most healthy season, and you can see what he's been able to do. An MVP candidate, one one of the best players in the league, best big man in the league, you could say. But That's the most dominant right now. I think just bench Simmons just being able to shoot just a bit better. Like He's got everything. He's got the size. He's got the playmaking ability. He can do a little bit of everything except just knock down – just a couple more jumpers a game, and, and literally, that's, that's how crazy it is. Cause that would, I honestly agree, because if you got a steady three ball, and I'm not talking 45%, I'm talking 35%. Not, maybe, yeah, 30%, not even, honestly. <laughs> that team wins games by a lot. I've yes. got an idea. Here's what I think Philly has to do to win a, win a championship again at some point. They need to write a handwritten letter to Santa. They <laughs> need to apologize for the disgraceful act they did years ago, throwing <laughs> snowballs at that man. All right. First of all, we know he was an imposter Santa, so he did nothing wrong. Second of all, what the hell is wrong with you? This is the Christmas spirit, and you're just feeding into stigmas. You're out here throwing snowballs at the guy that delivers presents to your kids. Congratulations. They burned their own city when they won a Super Bowl. Of course. They need to sage the room. They need to write a handwritten letter to Santa apologizing, and then maybe, just maybe, 
the process will be complete. Well, the only one weird enough in the NBA to do that would be Kyrie Irving. So Philly gets Kyrie is what Goose is saying. Well, maybe so. they just need to start acting more like Kyrie. Let's go to another team that, in my opinion, has been run very, very poorly over the past decade, masked oh, by LeBron title, the Lakers. Not oh. my team yet. Not my team oh, yet. Do you think the Lakers have a fundamentally a fundamental problem in their organization that once LeBron leaves, this team has fallen off completely? Well, it's not. I mean, we've seen that everywhere he goes, they fall apart. Yeah, they do cash out, but you no, know, specifically it, them who had pieces they traded away, young pieces they traded away. Right. I, you know, it's 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 interesting because development, especially when you're a grown man, goes both ways. If you're a little kid, like yeah, you your AAU basketball coach or your trainer mm-hmm. is, you know, it's a, a lot of it's on them to make sure you're getting the right. You know, by the time you're a grown man, you know what the hell you're doing. And so, you know, with the Lakers, it's just, I, I don't know. It, it's a team, it's a team that's built on their stars and, and a supplementary, more of a complementary group of players mm-hmm. around it. It's not really built on going through the draft. Like we saw the Yankees a few years ago mm-hmm. have this huge turnaround from buying everybody and their mother to <laughs> then building it actually through a farm system. Now it hasn't gotten them a title yet, no. but it they are, and we'll talk about them in a little bit, but you know, you see the kind of shift that they're going through and you wonder if the Lakers have to start investing. Honestly, I don't even know if they have any investment in their development I don't even know if they have a development wing in their organization. I don't think so. Because, again, they oftentimes bring in these veteran guys who don't need to be, you know, developed. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the roster they build year in, year out. So you think they're good enough for the money? They just buy veterans and this is not going to be a a build-to-draft team? If the L.A. effect continues. But, again, they have to look at it. They have to look, is it time for us to convert to that type of style where we actually build through the draft? Is it time to uh, invest in our development department? I think it might be. Yeah. I, re- I really do. Because, again, it's the, this isn't... I mean, the Suns aren't getting younger, technically, Chris Ball. No, I mean, the West mm-hmm. is getting significantly better. Like, Continue. all around. And if the Lakers, the Lakers are almost... I mean, like, God forbid... the peak, and they're on the way down yeah. now. God forbid the Pelicans ever actually, like, play, like, an eighth ounce of, like, how good they are. Like, oh they'll, God, yeah. they'll be in the postseason. If they get the a Tom Thibodeau, I guarantee the Pelicans The Warriors... Well, he he won't leave New York. I don't think I so. I know, but, but I'm saying, like, tough, tough coach. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Accountability on players, the, young guys. The Warriors didn't even make the playoffs this year, so... You're looking at it, and again, like I, we talked about this a little while ago, I still think LeBron can get to a title. I don't think he can be the 45, 12, and yeah. you know, 11 guy that we saw in Boston that night. Um, I was in DC actually that night. That was that was an interesting, wild night. Um, but you know, so I, I just you know, he's not that guy anymore. Can he crank it up for a 30 point triple dub? Absolutely. Shannon Sharp would say, "Oh, Miss Trip Dub will make the trip," you know. But um, you know, so it's uh, I still think he could do that. But again, we talked about uh, they've got to bring in people that fit his system. Yeah. Moving forward, more NBA offseason news: Danny Ainge, gone. The, the person who's milked one title more than anybody I ever know, almost got him. <laughs> Ainge is finally gone. I don't know. Most Celtics fans are kind of upset because he has some history. Don't be. Ruined our team the past five years, not getting anybody. Brad Stevens, who fails forward with not a lot of history, rather, in the title games. 
is trying to bring a team or a, the Celtics team to a title as the president of basketball operations, and he's on the search now for a coach. Pops, this is the wrong move. Is Brad Stevens fit to be president of basketball operations? No, not yet. I don't, in my opinion, I think he just needs a little more coaching under him. You know, he's been the coach. I think was the coach for it's seven been years. And he has a bunch of playoff series. He does. Don't but, get me wrong, but the, to break that barrier and win, an he does need to break that type of barrier. Just like the way like Pat Riley did that. Exactly. But Pat Riley was very established. But Already, yeah, I understand. I was surprised he would be in this type of role. I didn't think that was like his personality. I thought he would. Loves the X and O's type of guy that, that was very raved about him. So I thought he would stick with the coaching role. But I guess if more money's calling, then more money's calling. So he'll be the president of basketball operations. Now, Goose, do you think this affects the development of the Celtics as a team? I mean, he'll still be there in, in their everyday lives. And, and he'll still be active uh, in the coaching realm now. That will affect the type of coach they get. Now, what do you mean it, by that? It, it means if... Danny Ainge were to say, hey, Brad Stevens is no longer the guy we're going to move on from him. He could go get, you know, a bigger name like a Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. However, I think with Brad Stevens now, he's got such a coaching mindset that he's going to stay engaged. And some coaches hate that. Yeah. Some coaches hate when the president's always at practice, always making comments about the game plan. Jerry you know, Jones like, and, um, and we were just talking about yeah, Jimmy we were talking Johnson. About Jerry Jones yes. and Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, yeah some... Some coaches hate that. Others embrace it. Some hate it. You know, and I think Brad Stevens is intelligent enough where you would more than likely want to embrace it. Mm-hmm. But again, ego drives some of the and stuff. He's, he's, younger, he's a younger GM or basketball president now. And he's I still younger. see him as a coach. I, yeah. I don't see him as that front office guy. I still see him as the butler head coach. You yep. know, and I still think his way in the league will eventually be back S- on the sideline. Still line. seems to have that like underdog role. Yeah. <laughs> and mean, again, like if Danny Ainge gets him a piece or two, to, you know, to me, it's not a, even about what he does as like president of basketball operations. It's who he puts around Jason Tatum. Because if yeah. he does that, the team could go zero and sixty-two or zero and eighty-two the first year, and I have no problems because it's going to be a rebuild. Like mm-hmm. we need to get rid of all these sideline bums. <laughs> we're playing like garbage. I don't want to mention names because they're all garbage. Kemba Walker. He needs to get healthy. <laughs> Max contract. Bum. But still, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the only two untouchables on that team, I think. And I do think it's a step backward for a team that was a piece or two to mm-hmm. really compete. So we'll, well see how that goes. Well, they took LeBron to a game seven just a mere three years mm-hmm. ago. And we were in the conference Spes- final last year to the bubble heat. Yeah. People forget that. Yeah. All right, but and then next up on the NBA offseason, <laughs> the last piece of information we're going over for the NBA is Dame Lillard's future. Portland has fired their head coach. Trouble in Portland. Dame does not know if his loyalty should be weighted out for a team that doesn't want to put pieces around him. Pops, where does Dame Lillard go, or does he stay in Portland? Um, I think he might. I think he might stay. Honestly, I think he's very loyal. To Portland and to that city. Why be though? They're not putting. I know, I know, but some people are just like that, you know. The Kobe's. Yeah, Kobe's. Allen Iverson's to an extent before he got traded. He never wanted to leave Philly, probably. But um, yeah, I I think he might just stay. I think he embraces that role of being that loyal guy, being that one that puts the city on his back. But if I were him, I would probably want to go to like maybe in L.A. Maybe try to make a trade to Boston. I like to, that. To, yep. So he will be a great. He could be a great compliment for Jason Tatum. Well, 
Well, Jason Tatum would be the compliment to him. Let's not forget that. Dame Lillard's the top guard in the league. Okay. But I know what you mean. I, yeah, yeah. I, I root for it. I gotta Goose. tell you, this is a weird situation yeah. because these are credible journalists that will tweet and write articles about Dame Lillard wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. And he has literally said nothing ever with a slimmer of doubt that he that he wants to go anywhere else other than Portland. He has never once hinted you know, LeBron does the whole cryptic tweet thing. <laughs> he has never once sent a cryptic tweet that says he wants out of Portland. Uh, I think now, he actually tweeted that he missed the coach that just fires. Maybe there's well, yeah, there, I mean, but... listen, but I think I think we all knew it. I think everybody knew that was coming, and changes have to come. I'm sure he's going to be upset when they trade C.J. McCollum. I'm sure they're going to be upset. I wouldn't be. Bum. Yeah, you fell off. Ooh. Yeah, but that's a guy <laughs> he's just spent the last, you know, seven years with. Mm-hmm. You know, something mean. like that. So there's that's a brotherhood. That's the Rose and Larry thing. Now, if I'm going to be... A little bit of a fan here, and you know, kind of stir the pot. Dame Lillard hitting those shots that he hit against Denver in Madison Square Garden. Ooh. I mean, Ooh. come on. I mean, that garden. That would and and it, that would bring the house down, and that would bring the excitement back to the Knicks. the The excitement's there. They had a great year, but what are they going to do to get to get back to that? The season they just had is mm-hmm. extremely difficult to repeat. Extremely difficult to repeat, especially if they try to go back at it with the same guys. We'll have to see what they do in free agency. But could you imagine him hitting those step-back, walk-off, wave-goodbye shots in oh. the mecca of basketball? New York would be unreal. Don't get me wrong. Brooklyn Brooklyn right now is the New York team winning. If the Knicks win a championship, the whole city is canceled. Oh, yeah. Like, for the day. Like, (laughs) the Nets win, it's going to be a little parade. People are going to be there. I'll probably get out there. But if the Knicks win, my mother would go to that parade just to be there. Like, it's a different vibe. A Dame to New York would be great because Julius Randle can't be that number one guy. I know he's had a terrific season this year, most improved player, but... You saw in the playoffs when he had to be that number one guy and everyone knew he had to be that, that number one guy. He didn't – he looked a little timid. I don't want – it sounds mean. Oh, but no, no. You could say it. Say yeah, it sounds, he was timid. He was. Timid. He couldn't get out of those double teams. He he was, he was very hesitant J. with the ball, and mm-hmm. that's probably what caused the Knicks to lose, in my opinion. Everything was a step back, Jay. And right before we got you, Pops, mm-hmm. me, me and him were in the car, and we were actually talking how Slayton would be a perfect three, and he alluded – to another New York guy that would be a perfect three, which was Julius, Julius Randle. Randle. Julius so, Randle yeah. is not a one, a great two, but a perfect, perfect three. three. Yes, sir. And so, you know, I think that just best sums it up. Joel, let's talk a little baseball. And uh, listen, Jacob DeGrom went out against the San Diego Padres uh, and made them look like they were the West Palm Beach Cardinals that he faced two weeks ago. Put them in the San Diego. He what's is up? just unbelievable. I know you've got some numbers on him, Joel. On. ERA through nine starts. That is the lowest since they began tracking it uh, all the way back in days that I was not alive for. And yeah, Jacob DeGrom right now through nine starts is a .62 ERA. He has 93 Ks, and I'm pretty sure he has almost 20 less innings pitched than the second guy on that list through the first nine starts, which is Pedro Martinez for the Red Sox. He had 95 Ks, but the sample size was a lot larger, and his ERA was around 1.1. I think 1.16 to be exact, but uh, might be fluxing around there. But, yeah, we're talking half a run underneath through nine starts. It's insane. Untouchable. He's had 
Oh, there's a stat on this right here in my phone somewhere. Well, and by the way, while you're looking that up, he is now fourth on the Mets' all-time strikeouts list. Got it right mm. here. So starting pitchers in the MLB, the whole MLB, have registered 100 miles per hour or faster only 127 times this season. Tell me DeGrom's got 85 of them. Jacob DeGrom's responsible for 74% of them. That's insane. He leads the majors with 94 fastballs over, uh, over 100 miles per hour. The next closest, Otani with only eight. Hmm. I'm talking this is the best pitcher we have ever seen, period. And he rakes. Yeah. He drives yeah. and he runs. He, he oftentimes has to do it for himself. Yep, he but, has to run support. But you're, you're mentioning it, Jolan, and I think, you know, what will hold him back is the fact that he was a little bit of a late bloomer, and we'll see it. But you, when his career is all said and done, you will have an argument to say he has the greatest peak of any – Pitcher yes. we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, his peak is greater us, than anybody else's peak. Not even we've seen before. Right, us. We're talking, talking like, Tom, better than Tom Seaver here. The rest of soul. I think. Legend. I think. I think by the time he's done with his Mets career, he will be. He will be better than Tom. The new Seaver. era mm-hmm. franchise. Mm-hmm. We'll call him. Yeah, and he'll <laughs> get his statue right after he dies in forty years. Um, I'm still salty about that. But so go ahead. on this day in Mets history, Jacob Degrom gives up eight runs in four innings against the Texas Rangers. Talks to Terry Collins. DeGrom, since then, has a 2.21 ERA. We love you, Terry. It was just one of those facts on my Twitter. Terry Collins. Oh, you want another fact? Today is the 75th birthday of the New York Knicks, as we were just Ooh. talking about them. Mm. But, Stevie, Knickerbockers. I want to talk about the Yankees have been struggling. Yeah. What's what's going on? Where Where are the bats? They couldn't hit a beach ball if they were standing in the middle of the ocean. Ha-ha. What is <laughs> what is going? The pitching's been great. I, think I know that was arguably the biggest question mark exactly, coming yeah. into the year, and they've been exceptionally good. Mm-hmm. And the bats, crickets. Yeah, it just I don't know, man. It's just like the pitching was supposed to be the one that had to improve, but now the starting pitching's probably their best thing so far this season, and just there's just too many guys like down the order batting averages like the one eighties, one nineties. It's it's gross to look at as a fan right now do you think it has something to do with them going for home runs and less contact or do you want oh to, do you yeah team needs to start rallying more oh definitely need to start rallying more they need like two three more guys in the lineup that like dj lemay like not like not good like an average but like guys just contact all the contact, time a lot less guys. strikeouts like the strikeouts just just demoralizing to look at it's just all or nothing every time i it just sucks to watch. Uh, no, it affects the confidence of hitters yeah. when you're going for power every mm-hmm. time, and then the next thing you know, you're in an 0 for 8 slump with six strikeouts, and you've grounded mm-hmm. into two like double plays. Here's, like, a, here's a bad stat if you're a Yankee fan. This year, they are 0 and 17 when their opponents score five runs in a game. Not that's, get up. That's a Mets not, stat in my not, life. Not get up yeah, five runs. <laughs> if they, if that team hits five on the scoreboard at any point in the game, that's bad. The Yankees are zero and seventeen. That's real bad. That is, that that is when Garrett Cole that is shocking. played like that is shocking. Yeah, you tell, tell yeah. The, the guys across the street. That is shocking. It is shocking. But again, mm-hmm. both teams I think are good. It's going to lead to a great summer for mm-hmm. New York baseball. Let's stay on the Yankees. Yeah. and pitching. Uh-oh. Okay. Let's talk Pine Tar. Whoa. Whoa, because I know now the MLB is cracking down heavily on people who use pine tar on their hats or gloves or whatever their tricks are. Pine tar? 
No, not pine tar. What am I talking about? What's the substance? No, 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 no. I, I'm asking in general. Like, have you ever used pine tar? I no. used it on, on my like, wood bat. I used it on my aluminum bat once. But, but really? like, Lord only knows whatever the tricks <laughs> they are doing, a lot of it has been caught on camera. A little glove scuff here, yeah. a little hat twirl here. And it's gotten to the point where now the MLB has to go out of their way to stop it. Do you think this affects Garrett Cole? <laughs> wow. Only okay. if he's doing it, right? Yeah, I guess. I saw it on video, and you Darvish is the biggest culprit of this right now. MLB. Oh, man. Major League Baseball has always been known to be like this nitpicky about like rules and all that. Unless you're taking signs from the camera. Well, that that's that's a whole different yeah. situation also, with like, the Astros think and all of that. Any other sports league? How many sports leagues have all these cheating scandals? Exactly. They, they are like number one in cheating. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's bad in a relationship. You cheat, they're gonna break up with you. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, fa- and fans have broken up with Major League Baseball. Yep, we see the decline in numbers. Now this year has actually been pretty good, from what I, from what I understand, viewership's been pretty. Especially good. the first fifteen day window. Was yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I think Major League Baseball too was getting a lot of fans back and that's in the ballpark yeah. quicker. Baseball was back. They're yeah, starting actually. to like adjust to what the NBA and NFL have been doing with like their marketing and the way yeah. they use their social media get to try to get out. the game back. So to back where to square it was. one. Does this hurt? Good pitchers now is gonna ruin some of their games. Uh, yeah, probably because pitchers are probably the most like superstitious like athletes, maybe because they always have that routine before they get on the mound, throw a certain amount of pitches, do some sort of type of warm ups, <laughs> things like that. And um, if that was part of their routine, then and, and they can't do it anymore, then it probably lead to not good numbers for them. <laughs> Are you a fan of this rule, or do you believe if guys want to do it, just let them have the ability to, and some guys, DeGrom, don't eat it? <laughs> don't Breaking sure. news in the New York Post <laughs> tomorrow. So do you think so? Do you think it should be like a rule that is just allowed almost in the MLB? More of a preference thing? Uh, I think so to a degree, because if you're a bad pitcher anyway from the start and you're still using that stuff, like, does it really matter that like, much? Yeah, it's not going like, to It's similar thing. to like, PDs like if you're a bad hitter and still taking PDs but your numbers are still the same or you're like cheating yeah <laughs> you're not really saying? cheating are you yeah so I don't know yeah I mean I, I would I would say no because in, in in baseball we the pitchers are just unreal so like the Yankees slumping offensively is not an anomaly yeah when you look at major league baseball mm-hmm. offenses this season, are down this season, this season yes, sir. across the entire league Mm-hmm. So, I don't want you to do what the NFL does, which is bend completely over for the offense. But, like, you know, get rid of some of this stuff to give them a shot. You know, because it, cl- it seems clearly right now they've got no shot when they go up there. But, you know, it, it give a, at least give them a shot. Give them a shot. That's, that's, that's where I would, I would take that. What else we got going on in the MLB? Yeah, I mean, not much going on in Major League Baseball, but you turn it over to college basketball. Coach Mike Shashevsky is retiring after this year. Yes. Um, big, you know, big announcement to do it before the year. He talks a lot about recruiting, and I, I'm very big on recruiting. Is a lot about relationships. You oftentimes oh, commit to a coach rather than a program. You can argue whether that's right or wrong, uh, or indifferent, but that's how athletes commit to schools. Mm-hmm. So. If he recruits this entire year and then in March says, "Oh, I'm done." Well, those kids are probably done too. Those kids, those kids will transfer immediately. Yeah. So at least now he gives them a heads up, and they can now meet their new coach, John Shire, who played for Coach K, won a title with them, 
uh, back in 2010 over Brad Stevens' Butler team. Um, so, you know, again, congratulations to him. Unreal. Whatever you think about him, uh, he's got a chance, Joe. He's at 1,170 wins overall. They win 30 games this year, he gets to 1,200. That's hard to do, though. That's, that that is, is very hard. very difficult to do. Now, you will get a full college basketball season again. That's true. And uh, I think Duke, Duke's got, obviously, they got a good recruiting class coming in. They always seem to, mm-hmm. uh, except for last year. And, you know, they were kind of poo-poo. Who was, but, besides Gonzaga this past year, who was the last 30-win club we saw? Kentucky? Or no? Yeah, um... I, mean, have, I don't, have, been that I don't have the stat in front of me. But still, it's, it's but a hard no, number to hit. Yeah, it is very hard. There's a team yeah. that finds a way to like get to it. Well, it could be a mid-major. Some mid-majors, you know, they got yeah. 30 to get. Like Wichita you know, State the yes, back yeah. a few years ago. Yep, they were undefeated going into what? Like their uh, last game of the regular season or something? Yep, yeah. happens to everybody. Yep, mm-hmm. so, you know, again, congrats to Coach K. Um, looking around with the College World Series of both baseball and softball. Oh, Absolutely see. terrific. Tennessee, that walk-off Grand Slam. The bat flip was so Oh, it was cold. terrific. That, that was, was awesome. Longest, <laughs> that was awesome. Longest trot of all so time. So, for the casual <laughs> listeners that do not watch college baseball, let me paint the picture. Tennessee is down, bottom of the ninth, by three runs. The first guy gets a single. The second guy gets a single, man, on first and second. They walk the third. Um, the fourth batter up in the rotation on the second pitch, I believe, 0-1 count. Yeah, so. yeah, it takes it yard. Apotaka, right field. That's what you dream of as a Coldest kid, right? bat flip in history. Walks down mm-hmm. to first base. Chucks it over his head. Tennessee was going wild at home. It was fun. It is yeah. what you dream of as a kid, though, right? Bottom of the night, down three. You hit a grand Got slam goosebumps. to win. Um, goosebumps, And in the Women's College World Series in softball, you know, James Madison yeah. has been the surprise of the tournament. They beat number one seed Unranked Oklahoma. Unranked JMU. Let's go, girls. Yep, yep. Like. And then uh, they're the first unranked team because they beat Oklahoma State in, the second, in their second game. They're the first unranked team, I believe, in Women's College World Series history. To reach the semifinals, so uh, I believe it's uh, Adichi Rodriguez, um, or no, uh, Odichi Alexander. Excuse me. She has been phenomenal, and that's what I love about these college tournaments. We pitcher. see that's the pitcher, right? Correct. Yes, sir. We see we Made see players. Yeah, who dove into the attack. That was that's crazy. We see these big moments of these little schools. NJIT is playing in the base in the baseball regionals right now. Now they have to go play Arkansas, so buckle up and good luck. But all you just won. But yep. they, you know they're they're fighting, they're scrapping, and they haven't played on home field. I actually learned this the other day. They haven't played on home field in two years. Why? Because their home field in Newark got torn down. Why? Or got raised up, and they're using it for something else. Oh wow! Really? So they had to go play at Skylands Park last year. Oh, all the way up. They there. had to travel Jeez. there. Yup, and they had to yeah, rent. That's an away they, game. They had to rent out yeah, hotels. That's literally an away for game. home stands. They had to rent out hotels. Now they play at Keene University, I believe they did this year. Um, so, but again, kudos mm-hmm. to them. Uh, and uh, last thing in the Women's College World Series, Montana Fouts of Alabama threw a perfect game on her 21st birthday. So imagine you throw a perfect game. Now you can actually celebrate with alcohol yep. in your system legally. We know she was going to do it anyway, but <laughs> legally she was able to do it uh, on her 21st birthday She's an absolute unreal gift, and uh, I think it's a good way to close it out uh, for episode fifty. Halfway to hundred. Halfway to a hundred. Wow, man! After uh, after ninety nine, we're gonna really start struggling with numbers. Like what? <laughs> like what do we call the episodes at that point? You know, we, we'll obviously have to figure that out, and that is fifty episodes away. So, 
you can reach me on social media at Goose on the Mic, both on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle. Reach out. Tune into my uh, radio show uh, with my former principal, Dr. Vin Prisbolinski. The doc. Goose and, former the Goose principal, and, current friend. Great man. Please listen to that. The Goose and Doc <laughs> Show every Saturday at 12.15 on WTBQ. Go to WTBQ.com. Hit the Listen Live button. You can do that. Steven, I want to thank you for joining us. And if you want the people to reach out to you, where might they be able to find you? Uh, Steven Pops. That's my Instagram and Twitter handle. And... Thank you guys for having me here. This no was problem, fun. Bro. It's a, it was a great of, time. A lot of fun. Anytime, anytime, anytime we're not out playing golf and I'm killing birds, like you are more than welcome to be here. <laughs> yeah, this was um, fun. On the podcast. Watch Peter shut down this episode now. Bro, Ooh. I'm telling you. So we went to Florida and we were yep. at a country club in Florida. And it's a par five. You have to lay up because then it becomes a dog leg right. No, it becomes a dog leg left mm-hmm. because yeah. then it bends back to the right. Okay. Right? That's how dark. Yeah, no, left you, you, and then yeah, it bends right. Yeah, I know. So, okay. So I'm like, all right. And, you know, this is my early days of playing golf. Not really many rounds of 18 on the course. And, you know, I take the driver out. Par five is like a they're not, quadruple bogey. They're, yeah. they're not my clubs. So, like, I take out the driver. I'm like, all right. Let's yeah. you know, bink. And I just hear, oh, oh. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and then nobody was behind us. So, you know. Steven and his his father were yeah, like, hey, insane. why don't you hit another one? Bird on bird crime. The same spot, yeah. <laughs> Joel, on a different bird. Oh, oh. And oh, I'm no. like, oh, my God. Oh, no. I'm getting a phone like, call from PETA. It's like when Randy Johnson hit that bird and he's like, the, 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 <laughs> with the feathers coming PETA, up. <laughs> don't cancel us. Episode 50, Air <laughs> Podcast, is ending on bird on bird violence, goose versus birds. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at uh, Twitter, rather, at podcast aired out, and Instagram at aired You can follow me at good old Joel's on both Instagram and Twitter. Any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to join Goose and myself, if you want to ask Goose questions about his radio show or anything like that, please feel free. Shout out, Doc. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Joel, on funny, we talked about the birds because episode 51, I can already tell you, is the Randy Johnson episode. So until episode 51. <laughs> And until next week, PETA, please don't cancel us. Put in the books.